1: The title, Only Jody Knows, our author, Craig B. Ewald, who joins me from somewhere, I think it's Indiana or is it Illinois? Illinois. Illinois in the United States, for my worldwide listeners. Sir, as I'm reading the back of this book, it says Only Jody Knows is based on a true story about a girl who disappeared after a series of events in her life in 1900. That's that's a fascinating uh, insight into what you have written. This is a novel based on a true story. How did you come across the story that is the undergirding, the foundation of this tale?
2: Well, I married into a family that was all from South Dakota. They were all from South Dakota. And uh, uh, my first year, I was requested to go out and go deer hunting with the other members of the family in the Black Hills. And so I bought a gun, and uh, I, I know they didn't think I'd be able to
0: shoot anything
2: or whatever, but I, <laughs> I I shot three bucks my first year out there, as far as that goes. Anyway, about two years later, in the hunting cabin, we had a cabin up in the Black Hills, an old log cabin from the 1870s, whatever, and there were 12, 14 of us in the hunting party up there, and one night, this was about 1973, three or four, two of the older members of the party started talking about this girl. And I, and I got curious and I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, there was this girl that lived on the ranch next to us, et cetera, et cetera. Back uh, in 1917, 18, I backed the book up 18 years. And uh, they said that in the middle of the night, one night in the summertime, she just, she disappeared. She she left in her nightgown and with a handkerchief and a razor blade and a locket and disappeared
1: incredible and what did they discover, or did they discover what had happened to her
2: well what they did is they they went looking for her and that's what the book is about and 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 trying to find her and and uh, The only comment I make is, uh, I think if anybody's curious as to what happened, they should get the book and read it.
1: And if they do read it, will they find a factual answer, or will it be a fictionalized account?
2: Uh, well,
1: uh, um... Sort of a cross between, maybe a cross between the two?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, let's put it like this. The people that have read it... uh, When I wrote the book, I I, I came home and I started writing the book, and I would write in the morning for 15 minutes, or I mean, for about an hour and that stuff before I went to the bank. And when I got done with the book, it took me a year and a half to write. I took it into the bank and I gave it to my secretary and I said, here, read this and tell me what you think. And she came back about four days later, and you have to understand that this is this was a co-worker of mine and you know the the, the initial reaction is ha ha yeah Craig you're writing a book mm-hmm. et cetera et cetera well, she came back and uh she says my God this is this is really good but you can't end the book like that and I said I can end the book anyway <laughs> I want to anyway the girls one by one they all read it in the bank and, and their reaction was the same. They all loved it but they just had a fit with the way I ended the book, so I I, I wrote a, a, another ending and, and I didn't like it at all, and so I I wrote the third ending and and I made an adjustment or two to it and and that's what's there.
1: That's what's there. That's what what's there? What is the intent as far as writing this story? You must have had a specific reader in mind was it for the ladies are they going to find this intriguing or will this be a general audience book they will enjoy
2: uh i i really i really didn't have a you know any specific group it it was just a story that was fascinating and i thought it should be put down and whoever reads it reads it i've had men who have read it and have loved it and and the majority of the people that have read it that I know of are are women, and they have loved it, and that's, you know, that's really about all I can tell you. It's
1: been well-received then at this point, at least from the initial uh, instances of people who have read it. Yes. You have some fascinating character names, uh, Chicken Charlie Zimmerman. Who's Chicken Charlie Zimmerman in this story?
2: Well... This is interesting because when I wrote the book, I didn't give names to a lot of the people, and uh, and what it amounts to is that uh, I, I had given him a name that was actually a friend of mine from 30 years ago, and when I had to re-edit the book and give names to it, there was a man that lived down the road. I live out in the country and that stuff, and an older man who raised chickens and uh sold the eggs and that stuff and, and when I moved to where I live now, we've been out here eighteen years, I would stop and I'd buy eggs from him. And uh and his name was Charlie Zimmerman and I and I called him Chicken Charlie because he had these chickens and he was he was just a wonderful man. Anyway, he passed away about five years ago and, uh, it, it was kind of interesting because when I read his obituary, he was a square dance caller. And I said, I've got to use his name in there. So I called uh-huh. his daughter and I said, would it be all right if I use your dad's name in the book? And she was flattered, honored and, and all that sort of stuff. And so I put Charlie in there and, and, uh, uh, so I, <laughs> If they'd ever make this into a movie, I know the guy that should play you. Know, I I mean I know who it should be, I don't know him by name, but I know who the character should be.
1: Mr. Bricklin was a, was a big man, much taller and broader than my father. Is he also based on a current character that you know in real life?
2: Who who did you say?
1: Uh, Mr. Mr. Brick, Mr. Bucklin.
2: The man that that she married.
1: Yes. Is he based um, on a on a true character or someone that you know? Uh, no,
2: it, no, it's 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 based on, on a true character. That that's he is he is uh, was a real person. Yes.
1: As you begin to write this, uh, this being your first novel, were there complications in getting this story into print? Did you uh, did you have to sit down and write an outline, or did you just write from inspiration or inspired thought? No, I
2: just wrote from from thought.
1: And then went back and did editing on it. I'm assuming.
2: Well, I I wrote it out longhand and had it typed and all that sort of stuff and, and when I you know, forty years later is is when I retired is when I I thought, Well, okay, I wrote this book, I, I wanna see it in print and so that's that's how it got to where it is right now through author house and and it's it's printed. It's it's done. That's one of my things on the bucket list that I've got done.
1: You mentioned movies. Have you uh Toyed with the idea of putting this into screen uh, into a screenplay:
2: Well, I haven't, but everybody else and the, and the publishers have they, uh, they uh, seem to think that the story in itself is fascinating in that time period and all that sort of stuff, and it would be worthy of a movie, so that's somebody else's decision, not mine.
1: But you wouldn't be disappointed.
2: Oh, no, I wouldn't be disappointed, no.
1: <laughs> Which of the uh, the events or the scenes in your book do you think would stand out the most to a potential producer?
2: Oh, gosh, that's that's hard to say because there are so many scenes in there. The, the, well, I guess the easiest thing I can say is that the, the people that have read it, they've talked to, the first thing is, I picked your book up, I couldn't put it down. I could not put it down. I did not want to put it down it never slows down it keeps going from beginning to end and and that's why i i don't know everybody i guess has has thoroughly enjoyed it because there there's there's never a dull moment in it so that's all i can tell you
1: have you have you always wanted to be an author we have some authors that just stumble into it by accident or in your case you were retired so you had some time to to devote to revising an initial document you had written years earlier what has been your interest in being an author? Has it been something that's lifelong, or is this something that's late in life?
2: Well, no. I, it, it, let's put it like this: I, I thought of the story, well, th- this particular story was worth being told. There's no, there's no question about it. I actually have three other ones that uh, are uh, very worthy of being told, and I, I am on working on one now since, since I am retired. Uh, uh, it's a matter of getting it down on paper since I do not type or, or I am a hunt and peck typer <laughs> as far as that goes. But, uh, I'm looking into this thing they call dragon, which apparently you can hook up to your computer and you talk into it and, and it types for you and this stuff and that. And in the event, I come across this and, and, and get this, uh, I think, uh, I could probably get these other three out and they, and they would be, uh, uh, I think they would be very well received also.
1: Is there a, a description of this that you would describe this as a murder mystery or is it an adventure tale? Is it character driven? Which would be the closest way to describe this?
2: I, 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 you have me. It's, 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 it's a thriller. It's exciting. It's, uh, it's a mystery. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a combination of three or four things, kind of put together, and I don't know that one of those words exemplifies it more than the other or not. I, I, I it, that's that's a, that's a tough. That's probably the toughest question for me to answer about it. Is it? It's it's a combination of things.
1: In that case, there's something for everybody
2: uh i i would definitely say so i mean when you stop and you a a 13 year old boy tells a story uh a 12 13 year old boy so you're seeing you're seeing everything that went on back there at the turn of the century through this boy's eyes and so it's (laughs) it's interesting that's i and I'm, i'm saying that only because this is what everybody has told me that they just can't put it down they love it and so I, I, I'm taking their word for it and, and telling you what they, they've repeated to me.
1: The title certainly is an attention grabber, Only Jody Knows. Uh, introduce this to my listeners in a couple of senses. Recap how you would reveal to them the story, Only Jody Knows.
2: Well, I, I don't know. I think I kind of already covered it. It, it from the standpoint that it, it's about, you know, this girl who disappears, and everybody is at a loss as to why she just, disappears her her husband uh she loses her husband and in an accident it starts out you're at, at the county fair in, in sharon and wyoming and there's a, a, a psychic there and and ralph who is a 13 year old boy who tells a story he's 40 years old whatever wants to see the psychic and ask him well whatever happened i wonder whatever happened to the It's a Jody that lived on the ranch next to us, and he goes in there, and he he asks this question, and it comes up, and the psychic sees things that he relived 30 years earlier, and has stuff, uh, you know, torches burning and dogs howling, and and then you flash back,
1: and so... Then you're on the roller coaster that you have created in the story, Only Jody Knows. I love the title. It grabs my attention. Where can my listeners get copies of your of your novel?
2: Well, they can get through the house. They can find it on on uh, on uh, Amazon uh, in Barnes and Noble. And if, if they go into a, a bookstore, they they have to request it uh, uh, since it's it's not published in mass numbers. Uh, but th- those are the three places where they can where they can find the book. Uh, I might just I might just mention the cover of the book. I, I did the cover for the book also, uh, mm-hmm. which is a story in itself because uh, it's got a gold locket uh, on the cover and it's hanging in a tree. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of an adventure because because uh, here I am taking trying to take pictures of this locket on a tree back here in February with... Four feet of snow on the ground and twenty below zero, and (laughs) hanging in trees in the woods and along the highway here and all along that, trying to get a picture without snow and that stuff. And uh, I, I, I'm pretty proud of the cover. It it came. It is. It is sketchy. It it came out uh, on the back side of the locket, uh, which you can tell is satin. It was smooth, and I did type. I I did have engraved the name of the book on the back of it just to see. And and when I tried to take pictures of of, it. You, you could see me. You could see me. And <laughs> it, holding the camera, you know, two feet from it, trying to take a picture of it. That was, I, was, I was humored by that. So <laughs> obviously I knew that, that side
1: wouldn't work. That but. side didn't work. I, I love the cover. The cover does grab your attention. The title again is Only Jody Knows. Our guest has been author Craig B. Ewald. E W A L D. And from what he has told us, there will be books and novels in the future. Thank you, Craig, for joining me today.
2: I appreciate it very much.
1: For Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker.
0: You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages.
3: Have you heard
0: Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world.
4: The title of the book, Grant Me, and the author is M. Perna, and M. joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, M. Hello. Well, great to have you with us, and uh, great to have uh, a romance novel that is the big question, how in the world do these two characters end up with each other, right? Right. Yeah, that,
5: That's <laughs> part of the mystery.
4: Part of the mystery, and, of course, it is a mystery as well. So we have romance and mystery, and we're going to learn more about Neva. Is that how you say it, Neva or Neva?
5: That's how I say it in my head, but I've had friends that that have said it differently. Yeah, so
4: So it's N-E-V-A, Neva, and then, of course, the other character, main character, Jason, and we're going to find about Neva Matthews and Jason Grant, but before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how this book came about.
5: Oh, my. Well, um, I'll try to condense this a little bit, but... um... I am a reader, never considered myself to be a writer. <laughs> I love to read. I love romance. Um, I just, I, I'm with my Kindle. I don't w- watch TV. I have my Kindle at night and I read. Um, and I, when I get to go to the grocery store by myself without my kids, it's a big deal. So uh, it's not that far of a drive. But on the way home, I um, this one before the summer started, I, I had these people in my head. And I can't explain it any better than that, that I... It's just these people, and I was thinking about these these characters. I wasn't thinking about what I got for grocery shopping. I was just thinking about these people. So I came home that night, and instead of having my Kindle, I had my computer. And my husband's like, "What? What are you? What are you doing?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I have no idea. I evidently I I need to get these people out of my head. So I'm writing the. I'm just writing it out right now. Like, okay, so." From there, it kind of continued, and, you know, one week went into two weeks, and I just kept going and going, and, you know, it got to the point where in the morning, my kids are like, Mom, why, wow, we want to go play, and I'm like, I know, hold on, and, you know, just one more one more paragraph, um, and so about halfway through, I was like, huh, I don't know if this is really, am I really writing a book, or is this just I'm thinking about things, and so I, I needed to have somebody else. So my friend and I were talking. And she said, you know, we were just talking about random stuff. And I said, I think, I think I'm writing a book. I'm not <laughs> sure. And she's as big of a reader as I am. So she's like, you know, there was a bunch of girly screams. And it was a very female um, female moment. But um, so anyways, I sent it to her because I said, all right, this, is either, this could go either way. This could either go, I'm actually writing a book or... Yeah, no, it was a good try, <laughs> but I'll never forget. She, um, the next morning, I, sh- I got a text from her early. And it was like six o'clock in the morning, and she said, "You better be writing the next chapter because I'm dying to know." And so from then, I then I was like, "Oh, okay." And I, there you go. So then I just, I finished the book.
4: Well, I started reading your prologue, and I'll tell you, you're a good writer. You really, uh just drew me in and i talked to lots of authors and i'm not trying to just patronize you but that was a uh, mystery right from the beginning so you know you are a mystery writer.
5: Yay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you that's very nice to hear.
4: And uh, the romance, Neva Matthews and Jason Grant. Now w- tell us about how they're so different and and how they met.
5: Well, um I don't want to give too much away. There, there there might have been it looks like it was an accidental meeting, but it might not have been. Um if you want to know what their difference is, um, I I I think the biggest difference is in their 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 features, I guess I would say. Um she's very teeny and petite where he is um very strong and very tall. Um and yeah, they come from two very different, different backgrounds, um, but then again, they come from the same kind of a background. But that's something you you have to figure out. So, so. She,
4: she she's kind of a I, what, how would you describe her? I mean, l- ladies who like to get lots of tattoos uh, does that reflect on what you know who they are, what they're thinking about, or I mean, is she a exhibitionist
5: or what? <laughs> you know? uh, no, no? Um, okay, well, I. I I don't know I um I guess I pulled that from my own personal experience because I um I love tattoos okay. um, I'm a you know stay-at-home mom I'm I consider myself to be kind of I don't know normal sort. but um just because I have tattoos doesn't mean um I don't know I, I think it uh, for me um it's more of a I'm a colorful person I like you know and that's how I kind of wrote her she um she loves life, and um, just because she has tattoos doesn't mean she's crazy.
4: <laughs> no, not at all. And that, and that today seems to be very popular. Tattoos, you see them everywhere. I mean, you see more and more people wearing them.
5: Yes. Yes. I, yeah. Uh, I have a very, uh, my own personal experience with that. So my mom, you know, every time I get a new tattoo, she's like, oh, oh, I'm like, oh." It's, uh, I swear I'm not crazy <laughs> i just i just like color i like i like tattoos yeah. so um yeah, so,
4: so she she uh i mean what does she want out of life what does what does neva want
5: um well I think definitely um she grows throughout the book, so um those focus of uh, that focus changes just a little bit but um you know, she's a she's a single mother because um her husband had passed away. He was her, her love from, you know, back in high school and uh, he passes away before the book starts. Um but she's a single mom trying to, you know, make ends meet, working two jobs. Um I think she's just you know, her goals are get through the day, make make sure her son is happy and healthy. Um and she has her best friend Shelly who um is her support, you know, her cheerleader on the sidelines. So, um, but I think that, you know, she definitely grows through the book and different characters are added. So she's, you know, priorities change and feelings change. And I think she she does too.
4: So Jason Grant, uh, you call him a hard-boiled detective who has sworn off relationships. So he's had his heart broken or he's had some bad experiences. What's going on with Jason?
5: He he had a tough upbringing. Um, yeah, he had it, it, it. There's a lot that goes on with Jason in his past, and you find out you you know everything. There's a happily ever after, and you find out what happens to him. But um, yeah, there's a lot that happened in Jason's past. That, um, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, he uh, he has a hard look on life. Right, you know, at the very beginning of the book, and even through much of the book, he, you know, he's a—he's uh, out for He's he has a mission, and he's out to for that goal.
4: Now, a detective. What kind of a detective?
5: Well, you know,
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, yeah, I think <laughs> I think honestly, um, I never really specified exactly what he. What specifically he does as a detective um he mainly is his goal and the focus of um what you see he's more focused on the mission that he is doing um you don't get to see much of the other um what else he's he works on Okay, as so a detective you, don't, you you're not
3: box.
4: you're not focused on his work very much then right, okay, so in his mission, can you tell us something about this mission?
6: Let's see. <laughs>
5: Oh see that there is a lot that that <laughs> w- i would unravel well,
4: give us a, <laughs> just, a of, just just just, mystery, just give us a little little peek into his thinking into his life
5: he um I will tell you he loves deeply and he loves his family very deeply and um the mission that he's on is to to help to help his family um he's looking for something um he knows what he's looking for, and it may or may not be tied into to Neva. Um, but he is uh, he's searching for something to help his family.
4: So he, he, over a period of time, every time he sees her, like you put it, he says she just kind of jump-starts his heart, right? I mean, there's something about her that just uh, even craves her kind of a feeling.
5: Well, he wa- he he knew who she was well before she had ever knew that he existed oh. um so he has a lot more prep time um to watch her to basically get to know her um by watching you know not necessarily uh by talking to her but you know he knows her daily life and he knows um you know he knows basically some of her characteristics um so you see. Um, yeah, uh, I think it started, you know, he starts out to where he's watching for a specific purpose, um, but the more he finds out about her and the more he, you know, even later when he, the more he spends time with her, um, he can't help but falling in love with her.
4: So he had given up on a lot of things for a long time, but she jump starts all of that again, and she... Would never have believed that he would kind of take her out of her peaceful life and, as you put it, catapult her into a roller coaster of a lifetime. So that's this fast paced mystery part of this romance novel.
5: Yes, she definitely goes on a roller coaster. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, the beginning of the book, I think, really, the prologue is that of, you know, we have, again, we don't know what's happening to her. And she isn't quite sure what's happening to her either, because she can't see and she can hardly breathe because of something over her head, and she can barely see out and and she knows somebody's got her and i mean it's it's uh you know as you read it it you you feel your pulse kind of increase. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: I, I hope so. That's what I was going for. So good. Yeah.
4: So I guess your pulse was increasing as you were writing it.
5: There were definitely parts of the book where uh, I was feeling the emotion right along with them. So yes
4: <laughs> Well, fantastic. Uh, now, just in kind of wrapping up here, our our. Our discussion about, again, the title of the book is Grant Me, and we've been talking to M. Perna, P-E-R-N-A. Uh, she is the author. Uh, now, we also have Drew and David. Uh, what kind of roles do they play? You've already talked a little bit. Shelly is Neva's uh, best friend. Now, what about Drew and David?
5: Well, David, David, you find out he is um, he's basically the... Uh... I I I hate to characterize him as the hacker, but he's basically um, the you know police. He's like his. How do I explain this? He's he basically does all the dirty work behind the scenes of um, in the detective land. But um, yeah, he uh, there's a role for him, and um, he he might or might not be in book two. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, you learn a little bit about David, but you definitely there's more to come with David um with Drew Drew is Neva's son he is 10 years old and um yeah he is I don't know he's delightful and I um I didn't plan on writing about anybody I know personally this wasn't you know I'm not writing about anybody I know but for some reason when I wrote Drew I wrote my son so he, he somehow made it into my book, and so he's um, he's very much my son.
4: So they cross paths, the attraction is inevitable, and they find themselves falling hopelessly and dangerously in love.
5: Very much so.
4: <laughs> well, fantastic, M. Looks like you've got a page-turner. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just great to talk to you. We've, again, been talking to M. Perna uh, with her book Grant Me, and she's with the publisher, is Author House. Is there other ways to get your book?
5: Yes, it is up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble.
4: All right. Well, thank you so much, M., for joining us on Author Talk.
5: I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Authorhouse. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world.
4: The title of the book, El Desajuno, Breakfast, and the author is Miss Ina, and Miss Ina joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Miss Ina. <laughs> Hello. Hola. <laughs> Great to have you with us. Hola. And this book really is uh, very unique as I'm looking at it with all its great pictures, uh, helping folks to understand, especially young people, to understand the translation of Spanish and English so they can uh, see these pictures in their mind and remember the words and how to pronounce the words. Uh, it's it's uh, very colorful. I love it. And how did this come about, Messina?
6: Well um, I've been teaching Spanish for 28 years and uh, before teaching Spanish I was a ballet teacher and I was always very interested in education and how the brain works and uh, I was asked to teach at a school uh, Spanish and when I I say I will do that but I first will do a research and try to find the most efficient uh, you know program to develop conversational skills I I had a very hard time doing that so in my frustration to see how languages are taught mainly grammar concepts and after three or four years of Spanish the child is not fluent in the language after going through high school and taking Spanish for two to four years, I, I, I say something is missing. So I developed a program called Spanish in Action. I tested it in the preschools and I did symbols and pictures to help as children as young as two years old develop the ability to communicate in the language as quickly as possible to retain the information and apply it right away. So the trick is, is not in the learning, it's in the application. If you learn something and you don't apply it, you're going to lose it. So I have to teach in a manner in which the child found it useful immediately. So with the years, I improved the program, I improved the techniques, I improved the, the symbols that I use, and the book represents a great part of how I teach. It teaches a concept, it teaches an application, and it teaches a conversational pattern. And the, the phonetic part is very important because, um, you know, if the parents are going to help the children, then the parents have to know how to use the book. Now, with my students, I don't have a problem because I have children as young as three-year-old reading that book, and the reason is because I color-code everything so that the mind registers color and symbols regardless of whether they have knowledge of the name of the letter. The brain doesn't have to know the name of a letter to recognize the symbol and memorize that symbol and the sound that it makes. By color coding it, the child memorizes the symbol and the color and every time they see it, they say the same sound. You know, in one class I can teach the children how to have a small conversation in a particular theme, because of the system. So I took that system and tried to put the best of it in the book, the first of a series. I'm almost finishing my second book, which is a little bit more intricate. So that's how the book came about. I said, I have to, these children now can read, but they cannot take home what they can read in my class. So I have to produce a book that will reinforce and help it continue at home what they're already doing in class. But also, even if the child is not taking my class, regardless of what part of the world the child is, he'll be able to take this book and read through it because of the phonetic and also be able to apply it immediately into its proper application in conversation because of the patterns of conversation, the way that they are arranged in the book.
4: Again, I want to emphasize how uh, colorful and uh, just appealing these pages are because not only are you, you know, like I'm looking at water, this this glass of water, which is uh, agua in Spanish, Correcto. and then and mm-hmm. then you give a statement. You know, I want some water, and you do that in Spanish, and you phonetically do it, and and it's like you pointed out. Brain, the brain thinks in pictures, so very important because we don't think in words. We don't see a word. We see a picture. If I say water or a glass of water, I see the glass in my mind. Mm-hmm.
6: You also think in colors. Right. So the color-coded words are very important.
4: Right. Had look- when
6: they see the color, they associate the sound with the color.
4: Yeah, you know, like like the you know. water is the is the color of that you would imagine water would look like, and like juice would right. be orange juice. Not that every juice is orange juice, but that helps you remember. No.
6: Yeah. Hel- so if you're if you can read the first pattern of conversation there, where it says I don't I want water, mm-hmm. can you read that?
4: Uh, Joki a roa roha, roa gua. No agua. Oh, I see. Uh, I'm yeah. I want. Jokey. No, don't don't say it in English. Because I know you know English. Say it in Spanish.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and the the phonetic. Read the phonetic. Yeah,
4: uh, jokey a ro agua. That's right. Yo quiero agua. Okay. The, now kind of-
6: you said it kind of choppy because right. you just said it for the first time, exactly. but eventually the more that you advance in books, the more flowy it comes, oh, exactly. so you just said, yo quiero agua.
4: Yo quiero agua, yeah, yo quiero mm-hmm. agua, yeah, you just have to keep saying it until it gets Well,
6: you, when you, you don't keep saying it because then you get bored and the brain becomes dormant, uh, so, you want to keep going because yo quiero always going to repeat it with another sentence to make it more interesting, to keep the attention of the child. So, this so is. It's repetitious, a- but adding new items so that the child doesn't get bored and the brain doesn't kind of. You know how kids uh, tuned out the mother's voice? Because she keeps saying the same thing, the same thing, come here, come here, come here. Well, it, you don't want to do that when you're teaching. You want to teach the same concept but from different angles, so there is a variation, and the child thinks something new, and so it it stay connected.
4: So then we progress from uh, liquids. We get into then. I'm looking at an apple and apple juice. And grapes, and looks like what a lemon, or you got a pear. Limonada. Yeah, a pear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: So this this
4: this first book, this first of a series of books, that as you say, it thematically develops in the in the child the ability to communicate in Spanish. So, so you just take it.
6: They can ask when they finish that book anything they want about breakfast. Ah. They can say what they want, what they don't want. They can ask their mom, is there? Is there any juice? Is there any milk? If there is not, they can ask the mom to go, you know, we have to go buy some. The mom can Then he can ask the mom if she bought some, and if she, the mom bought some, she can then re-ask for what the, the item that he wants. So, you know, he can, he can at the end of the book tell, the mom what he wants for breakfast you know the mom says would you like this or this and then the child can respond you know and so everything that has to do with breakfast it's in that book conversationally
4: uh, presented so that's this first of a series of books this theme is breakfast that's basically what this first book (laughs) is and that's why it's called El Desa Juno Breakfast.
6: Yes, and this book is a book that will be an extreme asset in every school in the United States, at least, and in every library, in every school and in every library, because any child that, that already knows how to read, you know, let's say a seven-year-old. I have my, like I said, I have my four-years-old already reading the book. And they don't even read English but that because of the techniques that I use. But that's under my guidance. You know, I guide them and I present. I have a technique to present. If if the child doesn't have my guidance, it's, it's also very easy for them to do it because the parent can guide them through the phonetic. And each child that has a book like this is able to go through the book and immediately use it. At home, you know, instead of saying, uh, "Mom, I want apple juice," they can now they learn it, so they can say, "Mamá, yo quiero jugo de manzana." You know, and the man says, "Well, there is no apple juice," and and he say, and then he can say, "Entonces, tenemos que comprar jugo de manzana," or "Hay que comprar jugo de manzanas." I presented in the book. The book used "hay que," which means we have to. You have several ways of saying that. The, I present the easy way in the book for you know to make it more appealing and, and, and easier for the child to, to learn the concept. But, you know, the book is not an isolated book. Like the majority of the book, they, they have colors. They have adjectives here. Oh, the child, my child can count to 100. Some parents tell me. And in my mind, I, ju- I just smile. And in my mind, I say, what is he going to do? with a hundred numbers.
4: Right. <laughs> is he going to go to
6: his Spanish friend and say, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, what, How is that useful to the child as far as communicating? Languages, the purpose of a language is to communicate thoughts, emotions, feelings, and needs. And that is the way it should be taught, to do exactly that. I cannot teach colors unless the purpose of teaching colors is to describe things, and I cannot teach things unless the purpose of teaching those things is because the child wanted, it, or 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 uh, is using it for any reason. So, everything has to have a conversational purpose, and it has to be applied, if not immediately, in a very short period of time, so the brain retains it in a useful manner. So he knows that it's useful for something, and he can apply it immediately. I don't know if you follow me. I
4: do. Very well explained. And also, as I move through the pages of this first book, it goes from objects that, of course, with the the different liquids and the different fruit, and now we see a little girl talking to her mom, a a really well-done, colorful character, and of course uh, we're getting it's it's growing like you say it's progressing because now this little girl is saying sentences she's wants her Correct. you know I want grape juice and uh and but there isn't any and now they've got to go to the grocery store to get some there's no mm-hmm. pear juice uh, yeah it's, right. it's, so it it progresses like you say and by the time you're done you, I could see, well, yeah, you could really carry on a, a conversation dealing with breakfast anyway. You've had that first one. So, what are Dealing some, with
6: breakfast and dealing with shopping because yeah, now shopping. she can ask those right. things at home. And when she go grocery shopping with the mom, she can say, Mama, hay que comprar jugo de manzana. Or, oh, Mama, hay que comprar leche. Mm-hmm. She can do that at the grocery store, you know. Right. So, she, can, she cannot have two to uh environments in she can constantly apply these conversational patterns.
4: So what are some of the other themes of the uh next books? What are you going to do?
6: Endless. Endless.
4: <laughs> endless, uh, endless themes.
6: But, but uh I I I'm writing the book according to my the themes that I teach and I teach endless themes. Uh, there are many themes. Uh, I was going to do lunch, but I was suggested by people, don't do lunch because the kids have already seen breakfast. Do something, one of your other themes. So the theme that I picked for my next book, which I'm almost done with, was places and family. And it's a beautifully, beautifully display conversational pattern of places and family. So the child is going to learn in this book and how to uh, apply it in conversation uh where he wants to go, where he's going to go, where he's at, who is he uh, where did he go, where does he have to go so he under- he's going to understand the difference between where he want to go and where he has to go, where he's going to go, where he went, where he has. you know all the different and who is he going with so you know, it's gonna have the the question and the answer, the introduction and it's a little bit more interactive because there are these two kids talking to each other. One is curious about how do you say this in Spanish and the other say okay, let's do it and then the patterns appear. Then the places appear then the pattern with the places appear. Then the question appears and and it follows, it flows into this conversational pattern of different places then it's done with that then the child says well okay i learned how to say i want to go now how do do i say i'm going to go okay let's see how you do that and then it's like a little conversation between these two children and then this child uh takes him kind of by the hand and and takes him through the conversational patterns
4: well very well done miss ina we really appreciate you joining us on author talk tell us what's the best way to get your book Well, you can
6: go to Author House, and there is also a website, and I don't know if they have changed the name. They asked me, they sent me a website that goes directly to my book. If they go to that website, the book appears right away. I think I sent the information for them. They say, what's the name that you want? And I say, I want it to be called Spanish uh, Interactive. And the reason I wanted a Spanish interactive is because that's how is the book is an interactive book. It's a book that that is not just a passive way of teaching. It's more of a, you know, developing conversation where now you can see it between two people, in this case the mother and the child. And then it's applied personally to the child that is reading the book. So I wanted to be Spanish interactive, but I don't know if they have... That name yet in there. Uh, I know they can go to AuthorHouse.com and uh, <clears throat> go to the uh, bookstore and put El Desayuno, Breakfast, and the book will appear.
4: Well, thank you so much again for being with us on Author Talk.
6: Well, thank you for having me, and I hope that I was uh, able to enlighten enough information about the book, and I thank you for the time.